What does it take to create a vibrant, thriving life? First, the sad news is that Thoreau was right. Most people are leading quiet lives of desperation, lacking in meaning, fulfillment, and vitality. But we choose more. We choose to create extraordinary lives. And the Art of Vibrant Living show entertains you with inspiration, empowerment, and education to create your life into a masterpiece. It's time. Let's vibe up. All right, y'all. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Art of Vibrant Living show. I am your host, Daniel Aaron, and I'm delighted that you are with us, whether you are here now live or by rebroadcast. We have an amazing show today, a super cool dude who has um, developed himself in fascinating ways, both in the, in the worlds of business and art and athletics. I said both. That was three. Did you follow it? That's what we do here. It's all about vibrant living. And sometimes that means shaking things up or breaking out of our normal routines. So y'all, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you are up for creating more vibrancy in your life. That changes the world. And let's get right into it. My guest today, Eric Lacour, I met just last year. He reached out to me because he was coming to the island of Maui where I live. And he does some really fascinating uh, photography and filmmaking work. And <clears throat> we hit it off and I said, yeah, I would love to work with you. And he did some amazing work for me. And as we um, moved forward in that creative project, then I learned a lot more about him and his really interesting past with fashion and, and celebrity photography and his also working in breath work as I do. So he's really a Renaissance man doing amazing stuff. And I could say lots more, but let's hear it directly from him. So y'all, welcome to the show, Eric Lacour. Eric, welcome. Hey, How are you? Awesome. I'm so glad you were here. Um, thanks for being on the show. And before, um, before we get into it, I got like 400 questions I want to ask you. You've got expertise in so many different cool areas. Let's um, let's start with this. though. would you give just a little bit of the background on, you know, uh, how you've how you've evolved and, and what brings you to this point in your life? Yeah, I, I mean, I just started. I was always in the arts as a kid. Uh, and a big part of my story, I'd say, is that I was like an athlete and an artist. So I had kind of felt like there was this conflict in my life uh, between like none of my art friends were friends with my jock friends. So that created that's a big part of my story because so. I literally uh, in high school, I basically was like the starting running back, but I also won all the art awards at the same time, which is kind of funny. Uh, but I was not good in writing. And maybe we can talk more about that later, because like I've gotten more into what I was told when I was a kid that I was not good at and that I should just focus on photo video or at the time it was art, drawing and painting. And then from there, I, I moved on, uh, went to uh, LSU. Uh, I'm here in Louisiana, by the way. And I just went to college. I, I, I didn't really feel like I, I had uh, too much of a direction. I, I just knew I was good at art and eventually found photography and, you know, drawing and painting. I, it, it was mind blowing when I was able to take, uh, make a piece of art in just a click. Right. And then when I finally was developing that was back when we developed with film uh i'll never forget developing uh the 
the the first image coming up in the dark room and I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do. And my thinking at the time honestly was like, I don't want to work behind a computer. Like I want to be able to do this, this and that, you know, I want to be in the field working, catching, you know, documenting the world. But, uh, and now we're behind the computer all the time. So <laughs> from there I, I studied, I went deeper into studying, uh, and moved to California, went to Brooks Institute of photography, uh, and uh, from there, I started assisting different celebrity photographers and eventually shot a few things. Eventually, I think I had my first billboard when I was like, it was like 2000, uh, let me think, 2000, probably eight-ish, like 2000, like just before the, just before the, the crash, the 2008 crash, right? So when that happened, um, I literally just um, had to, I ended up moving back to Louisiana. Like I had a studio in Los Angeles and, and, and felt like I was, you know, doing pretty well. And then all the clients literally just dropped off. The fear was so strong at that time. And I moved back to Louisiana, helped, helped uh, start a website with uh, my sister and other um, like fashion type stuff and then moved to New York. Um, so I went to New York and started working more in that celebrity field. Right. And, and eventually I just started kind of getting sick of it. I, I even, there was a time where, in fact, my recent newsletter, you know, this is an interesting thing I like to talk about is like the subconscious mind and, and the, and our body, this, this will come up later in, in breath work. And the way I understand it, it's like your subconscious mind kind of hides your pains. Right. So it, so it numbs you because it doesn't want to feel these pains and whatnot. Right. So, but we also forget forget things. So one of the things that just came up recently, as I was journaling, I was uh, and and so in my recent newsletter, I wrote about um, how I got this carpenter job for a little bit. I was just assisting these carpenters, and it was for the fashion companies, and and it really made me sick. Not only was I taking pictures like on the side, I was shooting parties, I was shooting Vogue parties, I was hanging out with people. We were shooting celebrities in, in a different format, right? So before it was more celebrity editorial type stuff. And then I took some jobs as like a party photographer. So I was like up all night. I just could not live that nightlife all the time. Uh, but what made me really sick is whenever I went into, I took a carpenter job and we we're working, we we're building these elaborate rooms and we're building elaborate uh window displays for like uh what do you call it uh victoria's secret versace uh i mean i was delivering i spent so much time in hugo boss and like re rearranging stuff but what made me sick was that we would fill up dumpsters of trash right of particle board plastics glues just toxic stuff right and we'd work for four weeks on this project and we'd go build out a room with say it's like a fifties style, uh, maybe an, even an old gas tank. We, we could really make anything. That was, a, it was actually a fun thing. I actually loved it. It was like the artistic part of me wanted to be a carpenter for a little while. I was like, but I had invested so much at this point into photo video that I kind of got out of it, but we would make this stuff and fill up so many dumpsters and they would use it for like a weekend. Like, I think it might be three or four days to show off their collection. And then we would have to go in and take it all down with instructions to destroy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was around that time where I was, you know, I was in the middle of doing it and I was like, Oh, it makes me sick. I'm taking a saw and I'm sawing this, all this nice furniture apart that we, 
we built these these uh, pieces of art that would go on the walls. And it was around that time, like I really, I mean, I don't know if it was the chemicals I was breathing in at the time or the, <laughs> or the actual, like the feeling that I had of, of the waste that we were doing. And there were times where I had to drive the truck to go dump all that stuff. So that being said, what that leads me to is now I am, uh, my passion is to help um, amplify the stories of coaches and uh, people that are making a better a, a change in the world for good, you know? So, and I really do believe like entrepreneurs and coaches are, are leading that, the change for better in the world today. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And what a fascinating journey. I think for so many people that that world of fashion and celebrity stuff seems like so glittery and exciting. Uh, and for you to actually get the experience of being in it, uh, I'm sure there was a part of it where it was like, oh, this is, you know, so cool. And but then quickly it was also like, whoa, wait a minute, there, there's a underside to this that's not so great. Uh, and, and part of what you said about construction, I think, is beautiful. Of course, you know, I'm always thinking about spiritual leadership and who are the great spiritual leaders of our world. And there's one quite well-known one who was known to be a carpenter as well. Um, and part of what what that's all about, right, carpentry in some way is about building. It's about creating. So for you being someone who's so creative Loved and who, who wants to give value into the world, there's an obvious contrast between building and creating and you know what's going on with these these fancy photo shoots that are really i mean honestly you're just designed to get people to spend money right and um and there's other aspects to them as well so <clears throat> i love the way your journey has evolved and you know having got to know you a bit and, and experience your work i can see how all of that fed into it fed into what you're doing now and, and that's a beautiful thing as well um so so many uh, directions we could go. And, and I for sure want to talk about the concept of story, which you just brought up a little bit. First, though, you um, you shared something with me separately that I think would be fascinating for people to learn about. And, and you said a little bit about it here, too, this, this dual world you were in as a kid, like star athlete uh, and star artist. And for sure, in our culture and, and especially in school, we often put those very far apart and, you know, I know that that was um, a struggle for you in some ways in your life. So, you know, wh wh what's that been like and how did that shift for you? How did it shift? Uh, honestly, well, one of the people I just like to mention that I'm very passionate about is uh, Leonardo da Vinci, because he was mm -hmm. kind of known for this as well as for like being physically fit and 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 also an artist and, and whatnot. So he was revolutionary, obviously. But for me, where it really changed, where it was around the time I was working as that in that carpet doing carpentry work, and um, I was also trained. I had just started training jujitsu maybe three years before that, so it was around 30, 33 years old. And I'm in I'm in New York, and I started training jujitsu. I was training at one of the top gyms in the world, um, Marcelo Garcia's, and I'm still like a big fan. So you know. Um, really miss training there but the point is is that around that time uh i was really into miyamoto musashi right so miyamoto musashi is a, a if you don't know who he is he's a famous samurai and he's known for having 60 duels to the death and and i'm re i literally read like three or four books on him and in fact at one gym that i was hanging out with at 
I was not Marcelo's, but another gym I, I, I would visit in Brooklyn, uh, Master Skaya. Uh, I would I would tell the stories, which those will take too long. Maybe I can fit one story in here later. But the point is, is that uh, one of the nicknames I had, I had my hair. I was in my total, you know, I was doing yoga every day, which I still do a lot of yoga. But I had a I had a man bun and 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 they called me the white Musashi. You know, and which was a cool name. Like part of me wanted to be like, whoa, why don't I just be this jujitsu badass and be the white Musashi? Uh, <laughs> so my studies into him, it was one day where I was reading his stuff and it turned out he was an artist as well. Like in the novel, which isn't completely true, but in the novel, uh, he carves a sculpture in exchange for a sword at some point right and then as there's some other scenes as well that i'm blanking on but but uh he has a quote that says every warrior should have a peaceful art as well as a killing art this is the twofold way and that is to this day though it only because it spoke to me so much on a certain level because i was always like should i be doing this or should i be doing that and it's like no they're 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 together it's like that is the key to me to a balance in life, right? So I just, you can translate that, right? So you're not really gonna learn how to kill. You know, I mean, jujitsu, I'm learning how to kill, but I relate that to being physically strong and having aggression and being able to, to take, whenever you need it, you drive, you gotta drive forward, you gotta be able to push, you can't be passive all the time. Whereas a lot of times we think about art and creativity, which is true, whenever you wanna, uh, creativity really comes when you're able to quiet the mind and be and just let go of everything. So, so it's kind of the opposite of that. So finding that balance, right? So to me, it is having a physical practice and having more of a mental practice or a creative practice, right? So for me, uh, at the time, it was jujitsu and photography, right? And so at this point in my life, it's kind of a mix of yoga and jujitsu. I mean, I really just do something physical every day and then uh, also try to be somewhat creative. Uh, I try to write a lot more these days. Um, now that I've gotten over the, the cliche that you, you're only good at one thing or whatever that was like, I, I that's something I'm, I'm that I wish I would have learned a lot sooner, you know? So, um, yeah, I hope I, well, that, that, no, that's great. I mean, I, I love the way that evolved for you. And I mean, it points to a couple important things I, I would say, because we, most of us grow up with these this philosophy that life is binary, that it's either or. And as we evolve, we, we start to get the realization that actually there's a greater level of a greater level of truth, which is it's both and right. Both and. And so it means, you know, yes, a, a killing art or a martial art or even if we you know step out of that, but just meaning like strength and vigor and physical vitality. And then on the other side, it's also about the heart and love, you know, and there's the, the quotation that we want to have a, a soft belly and a strong spine. And, and I remember when I was a, a, a young man practicing judo, I was living in Northampton, Massachusetts, and I would go to the dojo like four times a week. And as I would walk from the dojo to the shower room, uh, it was in this big warehouse and there was this huge poster and the poster had like some kind of cool like calligraphy design with a samurai warrior on it and the quotation i'm sure you've heard it, it said never give a sword to a man who can't dance right um, and and i think what it points to is like and one of the part of the warrior's creed or the samurai creed is uh is if you're angry then you've already lost right you can never 
enter into a fight when it's ruled by anger, right? And we could, we could talk lots about that. Last thing I'll say though, is uh, I have a, a friend who's an entrepreneur. He was an MMA fighter for years, like professional fighter. And then the last few years, he's transitioned into being an entrepreneur. And uh, I was talking with him a few weeks ago and he's like, you know, the thing about entrepreneurship is you don't expect it. Like when you're an MMA fighter, you expect it's going to be hard. You got, you know, this rigorous, um, you know, physical training. And then you'll, you know, you literally get beat up. That's part of your, how you make a living. But entrepreneurship, it's just as hard. It's just a different kind of hard, but nobody tells you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's great what you point to. And, and also that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So being able to excel. And again, you mentioned Da Vinci. What a great um, what a great example of somebody that said, everything I do, I want to do it the best I possibly can. And, you know, he's just such a testament to what that produces in art and outstanding contributions to the world. So now your work, like if we talk about entrepreneurship, right, you, you had this great career in the fashion and celebrity world. And now you transitioned because you found that a little bit vacuous and you've moved into something that's more satisfying. And that's how we got connected. Um, so what's your, what does story mean to you? And why is, why do you have such a passion for that? Mm. Um, let's get to story in a minute because there was so much we just talked about and that you brought <laughs> up that I want to kind of like, cause a, a big learning for me, honestly, I mean, we're all, all this is like yin and yang, right? So it's mm. like, the more I've studied yin and yang, like we don't realize how, important the softness is um mm. there's a quote and you may know it better than i am but i i do but it's um your your ability to the the amount of power you're able to put out into the world is di di directly proportional to how well you can rest or how soft you can be right, right. so it's it's it, it's almost like i think about like bouncing a ball like the harder you throw it down the higher it can go right so um so that was a big learning for me back in the day, or, or I learned that from uh, breath teacher, Brant Dan Brule is, was really how to relax, but, but yin and yang, uh, I know people personally that are having a hard time in life. And I don't, I hate saying this cause it, it almost feels like it should be wrong, but, I, but, but there's, it, it's, but it's also like, there's no other way. Right. So there, if there's an up, there's a down, there's a front, there's a back, there's a side, there, there's a left, there's a right, there's a hot, there's a cold, there's a, you know, there's a dark, there's a light. So does it mean that, that, I mean, life is suffering. So therefore it has to be suffering if we're going to have some good times. Right. I mean, there's, it's probably more like, you know, ups and downs at a, at a lower level ups and downs and higher level ups and downs. Right. So depending on where we are, what's going on in the world, but um, yeah, I, I just, I, it just makes so much sense when you understand that everything's up and down you, and you're less likely to get upset about, having a hard time or about working too hard or about whatever it might be. Uh, when you understand that's the deeper understanding of, of yin and yang for me. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. Sorry, you were going to say more. It was just that. Um, yeah. So, and then, and then that applies to a well-rounded human, right? Art creation, uh, reflection, uh, creativity, ideas, uh, and then there's building, there's the more masculine, 
you know, feminine's more of the softness, soft and, and receptive and nurturing, which uh, kind of brings me to one of the things we were starting to talk about was like nurturing. There could be too much nurturing. There can be too much structure. There can be too much chaos because chaos is important. Chaos is related to ideas and new things coming about. But you got to take that chaos and make it into order. Right. But there can be too order can be too restricting, too, which is which brings me up brings me to the idea of like the, some say that, you know, the society we have here is the most abundant, like America is the most abundant nation that's ever existed. And it could be because of this. And, and we're experiencing this in life right now. It's like we get too much to the left and then the right's like, yo, 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 like you're going a little too far. And then we go far, too far right, which we were before it went far left. We were more maybe you could say we were too too far right. Uh, and then and so they're like, hey, yo, you need to come back this way. You know, so we're keeping each other in balance. And in the same way that uh, stories uh, are used to transform uh, society and to translate ideas, um, you know, we keep each other sane. We all keep each other sane through through talking and through calling each other out. Um, so it's important. I think that stuff's important because there was one time in my life where I was just like, everything should just be nice and, and hairy fairy all the time. And, <laughs> and that just leads to worse stuff. But, uh, but you have to be open to talking and, and having, uh, yeah, kind of rambling now, but, uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I'd love to bring together a few of the pieces that you said and really echo them. Cause I, you said some really profound things in there and we were talking about a little bit before it's, it's not either, or it's about both. And, and, I think where we often get confused in, in life and, and when we're in a teaching role or a coaching role, or more accurately, when we're in a student role or a client role, we, we want, we want the answer, right? We want someone to say, this is what you should do. And, you know, sometimes that's cool. Sometimes that works. Um, though there are no, there are no formulas that work all the time because if, if your goal is to get from here to here, you know, a good coach or teacher is going to say, well, right now you're a little too far to the left. That means you get to go to the right, but it's going to be different from everybody. And some people might hear that and say, oh, we all need to go to the right. Well, well, no, you were right on track or no, you were already to the right. Right. So there's this great expression I learned from one spiritual tradition earlier. It said at the gates to the promised land, there's, there are two pillars and uh, on one pillar is a symbol for healing Okay, well, that, that makes sense. Healing is part of evolution. We all need that. The other one was paradox. And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, paradox? Well, and it's like, what it means is it, it's as we evolve, we get to hold things that seem contradictory. But in the, in the greater truth, they are the same. And, and, and I'll give one example that um, I learned from one of my yoga teachers years ago that I love is like if we think about energy, yoga is, is the movement of energy, right? And if I am wanting to put uh, energy through my arm, well, if my arm is weak and flaccid, right, there's not going to be much energy moving through it, right? On the flip side, though, if I try really hard and I put it really squeeze it like this, well, then I'm going to block the energy, right? So like one of the principles of yoga is it's right action or just the right amount of energy. So it's this combination of softness and strength. In, in the yoga tradition, it's stiram sukham. And 
you know, for all of us in our life, part of what, and, and I love, like I call uh, this, the show is called The Art of Vibrant Living. And the reason I call it that is because it is an art. There isn't one thing like, well, become a martial arts master and then you'll have a great life. Well, no, you, you need, you, may, maybe that will help, but you, there are other components and it's an art to see how we integrate all these pieces. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like to say tension restricts flow, right? And actually in jujitsu, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm teaching white belts these days and, and I have a student of mine and, and he was getting on top of me and he's being all tense. And I, and I was just like, when you're on top, so, so this is cool. This is yin and yang of jujitsu. If you don't know anything about jujitsu, and this is what I tell new guys, I'm like, just on the top, be wide and heavy. And on the bottom, be tight and a ball, right? So on the, in jujitsu, we'd be wide and heavy on the top. So you can just kind of keep yourself even by being, and, and the more relaxed you are, the heavier you're going to be. And, you, and, they'll, and you'll hold them down a lot easier. But it, what's really interesting is that if you do the opposite, if you're on top and you're all tense, more likely, you're more likely to get rolled. Like people are going to get out from underneath you. Um, and so does the yin and yang of jujitsu is be wide and heavy on the top tighten the ball on the bottom that's yeah that's perfect there's like again there's no there's no one way to do everything life is this constant evolution i think of that a lot to do with morality too that's like something i've studied a lot in my life and why in some way uh, religions are popular is because they try to simplify it for us and and you know there's a level where that can be useful like hey it's it's probably a good idea to say it's a rule. Don't kill each other. Like that's a probably, that's probably a good thing to have that rule. However, is it possible that that rule would be not useful at a certain time? Well, that opens up a whole nother can of worms. So I don't know if we want to go there, but um, yeah, in fact, so let, let's switch gears for a minute and get into speaking about story because I know that that's been a big passion for you. And, and we both love the work of Joseph Campbell. Um, and, you know, a lot of my own work is about story as well. So how did you move into that work and what does it mean for you now as a filmmaker? Um, well, I come from a, a life. It's, this is really funny. It's like coming up, it was like painter and a painting. When I was a painter, I hated photography. And when I, and then later I fell in love with photography all of a sudden. And I was like, okay, I'm a photographer. And then while I'm a photographer, I was a photo snob. I, I looked at filmmakers like they were just like, I, why would I do that? I'm, I'm a photographer, right? So I'm like, I, I don't know. It was just, it was an ego thing, right? So you just thought you were cooler because you could just do more with one image as opposed to tons, you know, thousands of images. So uh, eventually I got into photo and, and uh, you know, I got into filmmaking and I started realizing like the story's almost more, Oh my God, dude, this is the yin and yang of, of, of filmmaking is like the, the film, which yang is order. Yang is light. So yang would be the film, the video, the picture that you're looking at now. And then the, 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 the yin would be more the story or the, the as far as I think now I'm kind of just, talking kind of thinking i hadn't really thought about this this idea just came to me but so i realized how important is the yin and yang they both are so important right so i used to just put all this weight on light and framing 
and now I started realizing how important the story was. And, and not that I didn't think it was important before, but uh, I'm also, you know, a big, I'm into psychology, yoga, all this stuff. And, and then I ran across Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Um, and, and it's just powerful. It's, it's, it's almost like it speaks to our subconscious mind. You know, the hero's journey speaks to our subconscious mind. It basically, um, we all, there are things that we all experience as humans. And if you don't know Joseph Campbell, he uh, basically studied all religions and mythologies and found these events that are happening and all, and, and, and why they speak to us. There's all these events that are happening in these stories from religious figures, but also from mythology. And, there's a reason that these things speak to us because it is us. They, they all speak to us in different ways uh, without going through the whole thing. Cause there's a lot of different versions and I have a little bit of imposter syndrome. I am, I definitely don't consider myself a, you know, I aspire to be a hero's journey scholar, I guess you could say, but in my studies recently, what I really just speaks to me is like just the beginning of it. I mean, if, if you're not familiar with the hero's journey and how it fits with people for the audience is like just the beginning of it. It starts with a normal world. For me, the normal world was the one time that I can remember was when I was uh, in college and I had just gotten the camera and I just started photography and I had this internal passion. Right. So, and then there's a call to action and I had a, my aunt took me and was like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I kind of want to study photography more. Have you looked at schools? And she showed me the school in California and, I, and she, she called them right there and like put me on the phone with them. And, and, and they were like, well, you should start the session. We have one a session starting in two weeks, but you should probably do the one that's cause that's kind of soon. And I was like, no, I'm going to that one. You know, I was like, that was my call to action. And I, um, we want to say it. I, I took the call to action. I, I went into it and, and that's where, you know, eventually after I took the call to action to, to go to photo school, you know, that's when I encountered like guides, whenever I got into, um, to California, I met friends that kind of guided me throughout my, my, uh, my journey as a photographer. In fact, I have a good friend, Jason Barber's a lot. I'll never forget. He, he's the one who really, he saw my work at the time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he saw the work I was doing with portraits of people. And he took me to his house one day and he started showing me these art books of Richard Avedon and, and, and Helmut Newton. And he was like this, like celebrity photography, high end fashion, fine art portraiture. And I was just like, Oh, so, so hero's journey. That was my normal from normal. Like that's something you'll see in a lot of movies is like you start with the normalcy. There's a call to action. It's usually an internal. A lot of times it's an internal conflict or not a conflict, but necessarily a urge or a, a yearning. Um, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker wanted to be a fighter pilot. And then and his uncle's like, you need to stay here for a little bit longer. And then. And, and the interesting thing about that call to action, and this is what speaks to me because I, I have a friend, I have a, a family member that's close to me that needs to hear this, but I don't know how to say it to her, <laughs> is that basically it's like this is a deep learning of, of facing discomfort, right? So she's not taking calls to action. People are giving her calls to action, and she's just like, I'm 
staying comfortable. And so what happens in the hero's journey is if you stay comfortable or if you, if the call to action, something happens to you, it's either, it, it comes, like I said, it comes from the outside. It could be somebody challenging you to something, but it could also be an internal uh, drive or yearning, right? So you're, you have this internal, but if you don't see through it, you don't, you don't answer the call to action, things get worse. And then you have to, maybe something happens that you have to do it. Like with Luke Skywalker, his grandparents or his uncle and aunt were burned by the empire and he had to go. And then he encounters a guide. That's another part of it, right? They encountered uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and he has this guide and, and, and multiple guides. And then there's the next level is crossing the threshold threshold. Crossing the threshold is where you're, entering this new adventurous world. Uh, and then eventually you're like meeting trials and, and tribulations and, and it just keeps going from there. Uh, like I said, I'm not a scholar. There's different versions of it. So uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to send me any info you got on or any interesting takes on the hero's journey, I am into it and would love to look at it. Well, I mean, that's great what you said. You get, you get, and it is a big concept. So it's uh, challenging to lay it all out in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll add in a little bit though, and, and let's flip it back over to you because, yeah, I mean, Joseph Campbell, as you point out, he's the really the origin of consolidating this information. And for people that are like, Ooh, what's this? I want to get more into this. You know, there's a great uh, video series years ago with Bill Moyers and, Joseph Campbell. There's the book, uh, the hero with a thousand faces. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have the actual book, but I found the cover on my desk. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. I even taped up the edges. So carrying it around with me doesn't mess it up too much. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, it's such a good reminder because, and why the, all those stories are so popular, whether, you know, it's Luke Skywalker or, um, you know, Bilbo Baggins or, uh, you know, any of these like epic films that we love and, and novels, there's always this, this, yeah, as you said, there's this call and then there's this journey and then there's the challenge and then there's the allies and then there's the villain and then there's the overcoming. And guess what? That's our life. That's all of us. We're all living some version of that. And so when we, that's why it's so, so great to see that played out in front of us in, in film is we say, oh, that's what's going, on. and we make sense of our own challenges and tribulations, and you know, and, and you might not say this yourself. So I'm going to point it out to people. One of the great things about your work is you, from the framework and understanding that you have of it, you're really good at helping um, helping others make sense of their own hero's journey, right? And I know that that's a big part of what you do with your work. It's it's yeah, bringing your love of the the, the art and science of photography and film and bringing that and you need that, but it's also understanding, helping people understand where did I come from? Where am I going? What, what did I overcome? Who are my heroes? So do you want to say anything about how you do that in your work with people? I mean, that's what I say. It, it kind of happens on its own. Like, right. I, I remember it happening with you when we interviewed a little bit, some things came up that you had forgotten which is amazing. That's just an, another testament to talking, right? So when we are going through our story and we're finding these elements in our life, things come up that we forget about. And that that's even happened to me today on this call. Like we think in conversation is a powerful thing that I've learned uh, more recently. And so whenever I do do these brand stories, 
I look at I look at it and I kind of look for these things happening in their life. Um, and I'm not so structured, so hard structured that I have to use every piece of it. But for the most part, um, yeah, I'm looking for that stuff and, and people see it and they realize. And that's the most powerful thing about it is it's subconscious subconsciously speaks to us the the hero's journey and story in general subconsciously speaks to us because we all put ourselves in the place of the character right and that's that's the most powerful characters are the ones that are believable the ones that seem like you could be them uh and they're experiencing the same things you have so you have them experiencing the things you have and then then they they uh encounter different ups and downs but one of the uh, one of the things that happens a lot is uh or i have a great a good teacher of mine um um, michael hansen taught me was i mean one of the simplest versions of a story it's like uh normal you have a desire something is in the way of that desire or so you want to attain something you're 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 driving you're attaining something and you and there's something in the way and you have to get over that but Also, whenever you get, and this comes from the hero's journey as well, when you get that thing, once you acquire it, you have to sacrifice something. Some some sort of sacrifice happens in your life. Uh, So it's almost like we have to let go of things in in life in general. Like, for instance, if I wanted to do more of, you know, I I can't do yoga every day if I want to start writing more in the mornings or something like that, right? So where am I putting my time? So, um yeah, that's that's great. And um, there's more to say about that, but I'm going to um, pop up here. We got a great question and I'm curious to get your perspective on this because it's related. Um, so Brian uh, asked, how often has taking immediate action produced positive results in your life? Right. And that's clearly part of the hero's journey when, uh, you know, the hero is originally in the zone of comfort, but then something compels them forward. Mm-hmm. So. Does the question make sense? What do you What do you think about that? I think, yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, I, I, that's something we all have to learn over time. I mean, there's that. That's a hard. That's a tough thing that to really say yes or no because it feels like um, whenever I, it, it's something to learn, right? So to to trust yourself, there's a certain trusting to trust your your your. Um, your desires or your, your judgment of a situation instead of having to, cause sometimes we got to reflect, but we can reflect way too much. You know, sometimes you can think your way into a hole, you know? So you just kind of have to trust that you're making the right decision or trust all the knowledge you have from the past is, is meant for this moment to make that choice and to, um, and, and, I, I guess you could say it, it comes down to a gut feeling, right? So you learn to listen to your gut. Um, and we all know how we've all had, I'm sure everyone listening to this has had a time where they were trying to make a decision and they made it based on logic. And they're like, logically, this is here, this is there, this is there. This is a great decision for me. And then you do it and then you realize like, oh, I had this gut feeling not to do this and it didn't work out. And, and so there's some intelligence going on in our bodies that is higher than, than our logical minds. Um, and, and that blows me away too. I love, I love stuff like that. So that's something I get into with yoga. Uh, there's a, I'll just keep going with it, a study or not a study, but there's a story, um, of, of, or the idea is basically that 
your gut is like a friend. Your gut, your gut uh, feelings are like a friend, right? So your friend is a, a friend that wants to hang out and he's calling you over and over. He calls you every day and you never answer, right? So eventually that friend gives up, right? So same thing with our gut. We have to reestablish, reestablish our connection with that gut feeling. And you do that through yoga, meditation, yeah, well, nicely said, and and I love the question too because you know it was it wasn't uh, there was something specific in the question. It wasn't just um, how often has taking action produced positive results in your life. It was how often has taking immediate action produced benefits in your life. And and part of the way I think of it is 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 just like you said. Uh, and if we if we look at the martial arts perspective on it, right. It's so much about martial arts, and, and this applies to, to life training as well, is developing these good habits and reflexes, right? Uh, most martial arts have this part of the tradition called the, the kata, right, which is the forms, where you just practice the forms. It's not, you're not actually in, like, sparring in that moment. You're just learning them. And so the classic example is from the Karate Kid, Right where where Mr. Miyagi has uh, young Daniel painting fences and waxing the car and you know he's doing this over and over again and he thinks you know what, what, I'm just you know doing this old man's work here, but then he learns that this these habits that he developed were to train him so they're built in instincts so in the heat of the moment he knows how to block the punches right and so much of our life I think and and whether it's meditation or breath work or yoga or even art, all of that is to help us develop the, the awareness and the insight and the intuition so that when, when life is happening in the moment, yes, we can trust our instincts and we can be immediate action. And the great thing about immediate action, and I'm really passionate about this because this is one of the things I know for myself, I come from a background of being fearful and careful. Like, I don't want to mess up. And, and in my family of origin, there was a lot of, I'll just make it simple and say a lot of abuse. So part of my early patterning was like, I don't want to do what they did. So I'm going to be careful. Right. But at a certain point, it's, it's through the immediate action that then we see the consequences, the results, which then give us the quick feedback, which then allows us to adjust so we evolve much more quickly when we take immediate action. Um, and it also implies this like trust for life and trust for ourselves. Like I don't need to be perfect. I need to be in action. I need to be evolving. And this is one of the basic things I work with my clients on from the beginning is saying to, to learn how to trust ourselves implicitly and, and, root out the, the old judgments and ways that we pull ourselves down and, and to be able to create ourselves first in our own mind and heart and then through action in the world. So I love the question. I get passionate about it. And I brought up something in the midst of that, though, that I know is an area where you are very experienced and passionate too, which is the realm of breath and breath work. So since time is flying along and there's so many things we could talk about, do you... Um, do you want to say something about your experience with breath and what it means to you and why it's important for other people too? I think one of the things that not an, I wish I would have learned longer that I would 
like to like I, I try to tell my students because I do teach yoga occasionally or a few times a week. I actually teach yoga. So and one of the deeper learnings of of yoga or that I've learned, it was really 2021 where I did a breath like it was a 21 day breath workshop uh, where we lived in a tent and practiced uh, deep breath work every day, almost just about every day, sometimes twice a day. Right. And the whole point of it was is the the deeper understanding is that all of our experience in our life, our body remembers everything that ever happens to it. Mm. Right. And so there's things that have happened to us. There's also stuff that that has passed on. And, and actually, we, we could talk a little bit about this in a second, is that the way I see it, karma, the, the, the real understanding of karma is like your body's memory of everything that happens to it. But the, the, the meaning of trauma is everything that the body's memory of everything that happens to it. So it's those subconscious habits and, and to, to really change your life is to change the subconscious habits is there, is to, is to, and, but, but also release them. Right. So to, to get rid of the old, uh, which, which manifests as like tension in the body for the most part. I look at, I think I see it like, it's almost like a numbing, right? So the, uh, the best uh, example I have is, is, um, so I'm on my way to jujitsu one day and I'm, 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 I get hit from behind. So I'm taking a left and I'm this SUV full speed hits me behind. I think he was probably 55 or something spun my car and rolled me. Right. So I was okay. You know, I break, I remember I braced myself. I mean, I did have a concussion, but I also caught myself while I was rolling. And, uh, so it wasn't too bad. Um, after that, whenever I would drive after that, I was literally uh, like every time I take a left, it was like, whoa, like I was nervous driving just in general. But taking a left was the hardest thing for me. And then but f- from understanding CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you if you have somebody that's afraid of a uh, an elevator, you, you talk about an elevator one day and the next time you look at a picture of an elevator and then eventually you go and look at one and eventually you get in one and eventually let the doors close and then you ride it. Right. So you got to ease your way into it. I, you know, I had people that said, you need to go to therapy. I'm like, I don't need to go to therapy. I know that I just need to face this thing over and over. And so I just continued to face it and eventually it went away. But the interesting thing about this is understanding that there are things that have happened to us in our and our ans- we have ancestral trauma like that your body remembers right so your your, your dna literally has subconscious habits and, and and you don't even remember it happening right so so imagine in your life you got things that like what if you can only take lefts you always got to take make circles or something to go to to take a right you got to do a circle so it's taking you twice as long to get wherever you're trying to get but if you can face you know learn to face that fear which kind of brings me to another thing it's like so in in the breath work a lot of things that came up to me was fear and 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 you you might cry you might you have to feel those emotions right so the repressed emotions the only way to get rid of repressed emotions is to feel them to allow them to flow out the body and then you know you make space for new um new habits and feelings if anybody gets a chance if you haven't seen the movie I mean, it's, it blows my mind that this stuff is in movies these days. And it was in the Pixar film um, where the jazz musician goes to earth uh, soul. All right. So in soul, you, 
there's a scene where where the the little soul uh, has all this black stuff, right? So I'm totally screwing up. You'll see it. But in the in the movie, there's literally a scene where a soul, where it's, it's a monster, and you think it's just a monster, and then these little spiritual guys go and dance around it and and do this meditation practice, and then all that black stuff starts falling off. At the time, you think it's just a monster, and then all of a sudden, underneath it, it's a little soul, and that's exactly how you feel when you come out of very powerful breath session. It like traumas, anxieties. Uh, um, repressed emotions are like weight and in fact repressed emotions take it it takes effort to hold that stuff in so it's almost like every day we're walking around we're, like if you get home and you and you're tired and you're like i didn't really do anything today i don't know why i'm tired because you might be holding in a lot of hit you know like you're you're like it's like you're walking in doing this all day holding it in holding it in. but you once you feel it and you allow it to flow i mean this is a big thing for men obviously i was taught not to you know, I didn't show my emotions for a long time um, and I still don't, but, but I know how to release them when I need to. I have ways I have, um I show my emotions, you know, with my girlfriend and whatnot. But <laughs> so um, the one of the experiences I had was in that 21 day breath work workshop. That's where I really learned this on a deeper level. My first breath session, I kind of let loose and I felt that lightness. It's almost like you take these sandbags and just. Like you've been walking around with sandbags on your shoulders and you did not even know that they were there. You take them off and you that's why you feel like you're floating. That's why you feel like. Yeah, people say they feel like they float out of a yoga studio sometimes because it, it happens from yoga studios, too. Um, I don't know if I got off track from what I was talking about. Um, well, That's great what you said. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll echo a little bit of it and is the experience that we all learn from childhood is to not feel things. And at a certain point it's unsafe. Like I, I as a little kid, I don't want to, I can't, I can't feel certain things because I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what's mine and what's other people's. So there's a survival mechanism, which is rather than feel, I push it down. Right. And, and, and repression and suppression are the technical terms for it. The analogy I use a lot is it's like holding a beach ball underwater, right? And, and we've all had that experience. We can, we can do that and we can do it for minutes and days and weeks and months and years and decades, right? But as you said, it takes energy, right? So, and, and it results in um, just showing up as a, a shell of our potential. And what happens when we do, and there's lots of different styles of breath work and I just encourage people to like really go for some of these therapeutic kinds of breath work. The ones where you're, you're doing fast breathing, where there's an intention to heal, to release uh, therapeutic styles of breath work. When we really do that, the, the emotions, just like the beach ball comes to the surface sooner or later, it's like the emotions come up to the surface, as you said, so that we can feel them and let them go. And when that happens, it's like, wow, all this energy is released. The world looks brand new. Um, there's, there's so much benefit that comes from it. And what's amazing is we didn't even know that, you know, for all this time I was expending energy and limiting myself from the full range of emotions in life. And then we realized like, wow, now I'm free. I didn't even know I was in jail. And it's, it's just so incredibly liberating. It sounds like that's what you experienced in your first time. Yeah. I mean, so the deepest learning that I got from all this is that understanding of repressed emotions and that understanding of your body 
um, remembering everything that happens to you. And, and so, and sad guru in his book, in his book, karma literally says, he says, uh, releasing the body of karma is the deepest practice of yoga. And like, that just blew my mind. I was like, Oh, so like, we have habits kind of like whenever I got in a car and I, I couldn't take a left, there's things that we do where we, we don't even just in the same way that somebody might drive to work on an off day. You're like, how many things did you do on your way to work? And you didn't even realize it till you got there that you were, it was Saturday. You know, I mean, I've heard stories of doing that, but uh, that happened. Maybe that happens to me when I walk in my office, you know, cause I'm working at home. I'm joking, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think uh, that is just such a powerful, to me, that's what the deep, I mean, if Sad Guru says that's the deepest training, I'm like, dude, that's, I wish I would have learned that so much longer. So in a way, it's like we're getting rid of old bad habits, old stresses, old anxieties, and, 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 and making space for newer habits. So that's, that's what the use of this, of like deeper breath work and, and, and feeling your feelings is all about. Yeah, nice, nicely said. I often think it because I started with yoga and yoga practice and breath work right at the same time in my life, 1996. And for a while, it's like they were both beautiful paths, but I didn't see where they intersected. They're like, you know, train tracks that never came together. And then eventually I realized like yoga is the slow, steady path and breath work is like the super highway to awaken. <laughs> just so much happens so fast. Uh oh, he's got something for us. Um, and that, and that's good actually, because then I want to make a transition to make sure yeah. we let no people know you back. Right. Yeah. I, um, I just had to, my air conditioner is making some noise. Um, <sighs> I had something really that I wanted to say too, and I lost it. What? So breath work. Well, uh, I'm sure it'll come oh, back. But I got it. Sorry. So yeah. you're saying that, the yeah, breath work is fast tracking it. So for me, uh, like I read the book Breath, right? So in the book Breath, uh, he talks about uh, uh, James Nestor talks about how um, the Wim Hof method is like the 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 shove or the violent shove into presence. And right, so one of the reasons for that is that when you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system, you got to think about what that sympathetic nervous system is done for us, right? So it makes you super present, right? It, 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 it sends all the blood to the organs. You're not resting and digesting. You're in fight or flight response. And you're, you're, you're like, where's the tiger? Like I'm ready to run and fight from a tiger. So it heightens your, and, and, and that is present, right? So like a lot of people have a hard time understanding, like, you know, everybody's saying it these days, like, Oh, you should be more present. You should you like, and then you start thinking about being present. You're like, no, you're not really being present. Presence is more of a listening. It's more of a feeling the world around you, right? And uh, that's just powerful to me. But, oh, so so the violent shove, like he said, that was a violent shove. And then after I read that, maybe less than a year later, it, it was actually six months after I read that book, I found out the more violent shove is the rebirthing, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes that's of great benefit to all of us to – to just wake up, to break out of our old patterns and, and really see them starkly and, and to get a quantum jump, um, super powerful. And, and in the same way, psychedelics can be helpful to people or they can be imprisoning if they become uh, habitual. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could we could go on and on and on about that. Time is flying along though, and I want to make sure that people know one how they can get in touch with you because I know part of your work, because I've experienced it myself, is this really phenomenal thing of helping uh, helping lots of people. But I know like coaches and teachers, especially to be able to understand their own story and communicate it via this most incredible medium called film, which is so uh, popular and ubiquitous these days. Um, and, and on that note, you've, you've offered a free gift here. So can you, will you let people know how they can reach you and, and can you tell us about the gift? Yeah. So um, actually, so a big part of my, what we do, and I usually don't do this until somebody, you know, is it's an official deal, right? But I decided for uh, people that are have are watching the show or that find out through the show, if you just mention that, we'll do. I'll give you a free story building process, is what I call it. And typically, it's usually honestly like when we do a, a legit one, and and it's it it could be a week every day for an hour, but we'll we'll keep it at an hour for this. So. But, but it's very val- valuable. So we will talk. I'll ask you some deep questions. We'll just do a free uh, story building process. And you can take that story and get somebody else to make a film if you want. You can try and make it yourself. Or you can actually use that story because story is so powerful. Um, I mean, we didn't really get too deep into how powerful story is because story is one of the those things that we, we can't help but uh, listen to. So in that sense subconsciously we can transfer information through a story. We can uh, change people's minds through a story. We can do, we can attract people to our business with a story, but we can also, you know, vulnerability is courage. So when you are vulnerable about yourself, people feel attraction to you. If they, if they correlate with your why, which you, why you do what you do, they're more likely to, call you up as a coach to, to, to work with you. Right. Or, or invest in your business and whatnot. Right. So it's all about the why and there's other parts to the story as well. So like the fight and then there's the contribution, like what's your contribution to the life. So there's these elements as well as the elements that we know from the uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, of course. But um, yeah. So if anybody um, either messages, Hey, I saw you on vibrant uh, living show, or you just go to liqueurstudio.com and you can book a call. Uh, there's a link there. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Well, and um, and, and uh, it's up on the screen now, your, your calendar appointment setter. Um, and what's the best way for people to reach you? Um, I would say that that's the best you can, you can literally comment on my uh, socials on social on, on my Instagram is probably where I'm most, um, most prominent. My Facebook was just hacked. So that's not, I mean, it, please come add me. I only have 23 friends now. I need, uh, you know, I need to get, get my friends back up. Uh, and um, so honestly, if you see my Facebook, I can't access that right now. I don't know why Facebook does this, but somehow I'm trying to get that worked out. So Instagram would be best at this moment or the link on my on my uh, YouTube. Um, sorry, the link on my website, LaCourStudio.com. LaCourStudio, um, okay. But you can... Just in case you need it, we got Eric at LaCourStudio.com would be the email. Perfect. All right. Well, and um, let us make the quick transition into the final big question. Are you ready for that? Uh Uh-oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is the totally unscripted, unplanned. Well, the whole thing is unscripted and planned. But 
the last question I have for you, because you've done so much work on yourself, you've uh, invested in so many different areas in creating your vibrant life. If you had to boil it all down to one piece of advice for our audience, what would you say? What's the most important thing for someone to do or not do in order to create their vibrant life? I think the thing that comes to my head right now, the most important thing to create your vibrant life would be the understanding of what the way I see the, the true self is actually awareness, right? So awareness, we can move that, right? So we can put our awareness in our thinking mind, the thinking minds in the, in the future or in the past. And when you're there, you're not necessarily present the thinking mind uh, or the, sorry, the awareness, you are awareness. You're not your eyeballs. You are that which is looking through the eyeballs. You're not your ears. You're that which is listening through the ears. So you are that which is experiencing this body's, this body in your life, in, in, in this world. Right. So I think a lot, I think a lot goes from there. Right. So that can help you be more present and, and, most of us these days, I feel like it's more prominent every day that people understand how important presence is, how, how important it is to be able to shut off that thinking mind. So the way I see it and my and I honestly didn't read this anywhere because I, I say this, this is my thing is presence is experiencing hmm. presence is experiencing. So feeling, touching, tasting, smelling um, you that is presence. That is, if you can't figure out how to get out of your head, go to, and I had a friend that I literally talked out of a, a of an episode of, he had some mental thing going on and, and he called me, you know, flipping out. And I said, Hey, all I did was I directed him to the present moment. Cause he was thinking about this thing that could be happening that wasn't happening. And this other thing that might've could have happened, shouldn't have happened. And he was totally delusional about it. And I was like, bro, look, none of that happened. That's not real. So he was in his car. I was like, just feel your, feel your um, steering wheel. Take a breath. Look around. Look how beautiful is the sky today? Because I see it. The sky's beautiful. You're not far from me. You know, and, 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 and he, to this day, <laughs> calls me sensei. <laughs> Since that episode, he's like calling me his spiritual teacher. I'm like, whatever, man. <laughs> well, that's powerful. And I love what you said that it's, you know, awareness is the key. It's like, uh, there's a great saying in Las Vegas, you must be present to win. Um, so, and let's, um, let's wrap it up there. It's been such an honor and pleasure to have you with us, Eric. Thank you for contributing so much for the audience. Uh, you'd be foolish not to take Eric up on his offer of a brand story consultation to help understand who you are and your hero's journey. So I definitely encourage you to do that. And um, to all the viewers and uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in, for being not only interested in your vibrant life, but actually doing something about it. You're learning about this and applying what you learn is so powerful. It makes a huge difference in the world. So please know that your learning matters. Your life matters. You are loved and it's important. So thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Aloha. Hello. Mahalo for tuning in to the Art of Vibrant Living show, y'all. I'm Daniel Aaron and may you live with great vibrancy. <laughs>